sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid, hour number two with Dan Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, let's, you know, we talked about football. We got teams ready for their fantasy matchups to understand the playoff picture as it comes into focus. Let's turn our attention to the NBA. And if it hasn't crept on you yet, you got to realize the NBA draft, Kev, is tomorrow, okay? But, and we'll hear these names the Anthony Edwards, the LaMelo Balls, the Wisemans of the world. But, there is also, and you see here, right, it's now minus 110 for both Ball and yeah. Edwards, which I think is pretty interesting. But I want to talk about the guys that are already in the league, okay? Because mm-hmm. the other thing that's going to happen is the free agency window. Trades are happening, right? People are going to have to organize their salary cap and rosters. And we have seen some movement, like we said, in the last 24 hours. Your head has got to be on a swivel. The first thing I want to mention, probably the biggest name to move is Chris Paul. Chris yeah. Paul has been traded to the Phoenix Suns in a package that involves Ricky Rubio and a package that involves Kelly Oubre, which I think is interesting. Um, talk to me about this deal because for CP3, honestly, Kev, people thought he was done after Houston, right? He kind of had a renaissance leading these kids in Oklahoma City, overperforming. I don't know that Phoenix is a great fit. I don't know that I trust him to do it over again with Booker and Aiton in Phoenix. Uh, Do you think that he's the same kind of older veteran mentor that these Phoenix Suns need? Talk to me about what this means for the Suns. So I like the fit. I think Chris Paul next to Booker will be really, really good because CP3 was still competitive. Left in the tank. Yeah, I think based on last year, I have to give him that kind of benefit of the doubt that he does. Okay, I will say. And I think it's a fair – the injury concerns would worry me that he basically went through a season unscathed and now obviously in a condensed year, that does worry me. I think what he's going to do for DeAndre Ayton is the biggest thing. Ayton is all of a sudden going to get – I promise you this. He's going to get like all-star buzz. This is what Chris Paul does. He's going to be near the league in field goal percentage leaders. Yep. He's going to average like sure. 20 and 10. It's what Chris Paul does for his bigs. Always, 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 always. So it's huge for him – Booker looks like he is taking the leap in the bubble. That continues. The idea that Devin Booker's their best player is nice. Chris Paul, you know, on Oklahoma City was certainly their best guy. Him here being, he might be their most important player, but him kind of being option two, I like that. I think the fit with Monty Williams and the fact that Chris Paul was so open to it, I think that this is a team, I kind of like when a group is so geared towards one goal that isn't too grandiose, right? The Lakers, the Clippers, it's title or bust. The Suns want the playoffs. Chris Paul wants to be able to do this again. I think he felt a lot of gratification with what he did in Oklahoma City. Devin Booker has been dying for this. Monty Williams wants to get this group there. They want to improve off what they did in the bubble. The caveat, though, is they are not a lock for the playoffs in the Western Conference. They simply aren't. And that's the thing. I like the move. I really do like the move. I don't think they gave up too much. 
we thought that they might have been there's so many young pick. teams we like we like in the west right like new orleans uh you know memphis even even sometimes we talk about liking sacramento they all kind of like a you know moving up but the gap is still there right yeah i think again they're not going to contend for a title but that's okay. okay all they want is the playoffs but the playoffs are far from a guarantee they are right now with the eighth best odds to win the west on the same line with the Rockets, but right below them, as you mentioned, the Pelicans, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies, all teams. teams and by the way, the, Timber, the Timberwolves are also thinking they have to push there. When we set this up, would Phoenix be in my projected eight? If I had to guess today, yes, but they're not a lock, and that is an important note. All right, fair enough. Um, there was another move made, right? Uh, Drew Holiday, which is a name that we have been talking about, we knew yeah. could potentially be on the move. And listen, we knew that Milwaukee was going to either, you know, like try to, you know, could make moves in essence with an eye towards Giannis, right? They're looking to satisfy what Giannis thinks he needs to be able to stay there. Does Drew Holiday make it happen along with all these picks and stuff? They do lose Bledsoe in the deal. Talk to me about the level of improvement this is for Milwaukee, getting Drew Holiday. I think it's marginal. I, I do. I mean, listen, I like Drew Holiday, okay? Yeah. I'm not sure he's that much better than Eric Bledsoe. Drew Holiday, Dane, when we get excited about what Drew Holiday is as a player, no, no, usually it is you. on the defensive side of the ball, right? Yes. Eric Bledsoe yes. was second-team All-NBA defense last year. Drew didn't make an All-NBA defense team. The year before that, Drew did make second-team All-NBA defense. The year before that, Eric Bledsoe made first-team All-NBA defense. You know, is Drew Holiday going to be able to be that creator, that playmaker that this team's been starving for? I'm not sure. Plus, they gave up a. I mean, they gave up almost as many picks as the Lakers did to get Anthony Davis for Drew Holiday. It's the move they had to make to keep Giannis in town. And if that's what it does, I'll give you every pick I've ever owned to keep Giannis in town. But this is a marginal improvement, I think, relative to what they gave up. I'm with you, Kev, as we welcome in our radio audience. Big shout out to all the affiliates. Thanks for getting on the grid with us. You know, you need actual, I think Giannis would want a big earth-shattering move, a la what the Rockets are talking about, moving Chris Har- uh, James Harden, right? That could shift the balance of power. And it's ironic. Yesterday, you talked about Brooklyn making a deal that we thought may clear the way. The Rockets are making moves, right? One way or the other, maybe still setting the stage for the big boy. You told me Covington was on the move for Houston also. Does that fit into maybe, uh, how does that fit in the context of a Harden move as well? Tell me briefly, and we'll talk about it in the other side break. Well, I mean, it's step one. If Covington's gone, they're not looking to contend, right? So, right. eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content. And Kev, you know, Chris Paul is a big name. Right, that was on the move. On some level, so is Drew Holiday, Bledsoe, Covington. These are legit pieces that are going to move. We're going to see a lot of free agency moves. Obviously, the draft is going to happen really, you know, 
kind of hot and heavy over the next, say, 10 days, right? We're going to see a lot of movement. To be quite honest, I wouldn't touch any futures markets in the NBA right now. But we can talk about that if you think we can get ahead of some of it. But the big fish, right? What everyone is seeing is rumors and buzz around James Harden. The beard has pretty much made it known that he doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. I think it's because there's only one ball in Russell Westbrook also would have that ball potentially. But um, Harden wants to go, wants to go to a contender. The names I've heard the most or the destinations I've heard the most, Kev, are twofold in the East. One would be Philadelphia and the other would be Brooklyn. Are you yes. hearing both of those? Do you think one is better than the other with Philly? I guess there's the Daryl Morey connection right we always knew that they were trying to retool on some level if ben and Embiid were the right fit brooklyn seems very intriguing to me kev you know and i gotta say this also and maybe i'm overstating this in the nba kev there Mm -hmm. are clicks there are clicks there are groups there are people that like each other that's the reason deandre jordan is on the brooklyn nets if you want to know the truth right and correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't Harden kind of fit in that click? Yeah, no, he, he certainly does. I'm very excited to talk about this. Um, also, too, because Mid-Major Matt is joining us next. And if you remember, uh, he was upset. I didn't talk about his Sixers last time. Ah, in yes. NBA, but I know he doesn't want me talking about the Sixers as it pertains to James Harden. Well, we're, they, we are firmly in the mix. On the Philly side, because the Brooklyn side is kind of what things are angling towards. Apparently, they don't want to give up Ben Simmons in the deal. I don't think they should give up Ben Simmons. I'd look to give up Joel Embiid. I think the heart, and I know, like, I kind of tested this out yesterday. I don't know if it's a hot take or not. I think Harden fits much better with Ben Simmons than Joel Embiid. That, hmm. And I, I don't know if that would surprise people. I think it's like, I've, I absolutely believe that. We have a lot to get to. I can't dive into all of it now. Do the Rockets want Embiid? I'm not sure. You want the Galaxy brain? Get the Warriors on the phone. Second pick, future Timberwolves pick, whatever else they got, and be to Golden State, Harden to Philly. Rockets can try and actually get some draft picks back. They should own about 5,000 picks by the end of that deal. That's what I would like to see. That's the Philly angle. Brooklyn. Oh, my goodness. Is this amazing. So Harden just turned down a $50 million a year max contract extension. But he wants out. We've also heard from Brian Windhorse. Apparently, we're all looking at Westbrook like some evil villain. I can't believe you want to leave. It seems as if maybe he he heard about Harden wanting out first. And just his right. news came out before Harden's. And he's like, well, you're not going to leave me here with Silas. And where's Daryl Moore? I'm not, I'm not even Covington out. anymore. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gone. Everything is saying that Harden wants Brooklyn. Philly is apparently on the list. But he wants Brooklyn. Here is the caveat of it all. He's reached out to the Brooklyn Nets, Dane. The players. To test the waters. How into it are you? Yeah. Some of them, real excited. Some Kyrie, of them, though. Some of them, not so excited. <laughs> I mean, you gotta think it would be the one and only Kyrie Irving to put the kibosh on the James Harden deal. Which then begs the question. Do the Nets... Send Kyrie Irving out of Brooklyn. No. Before no. him and Duran ever. Now okay. you're going crazy. Now you're going no. crazy. Or am I? Am I? I mean, if your options are Harden and Kyrie, is that even a hard? Is that even hard? Does that mean I can keep Spencer Dinwiddie as my point guard? Yeah, probably. Sure. <laughs> then sure. I mean, then sure. I mean, uh, Kyrie and Harden isn't even a debate. 
It's not even no, a debate. You. Like, the, I, I there's a. But don't you think gap. they would be trying to do this and maintain Kyrie as a big three? I'd love to. But, Dane, if, right, Kyrie goes, it's me or him. Okay, well, it's it's Harden then. I mean, at the end of the day, in an ideal world, it's me and you speaking to mid-major Matt. But if mid-major Matt was like, I only speak to Dane, well, odds are then we probably won't be able to pull the segment off. At the end of the day, if Kyrie goes, it's me or him, if I'm the Nets, we're like, well, that's not hard. See ya. It's not like, I know that that's a bridge far for people, but really think about this. If their options are Harden and Kyrie, yeah, that's going to sit atop of the list, obviously with Durant. No one's moving Durant. But if the other op, like, (laughs) I'm not sure that them moving Kyrie and getting Harden isn't a better option than keeping Kyrie and moving all of the depth. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Kev, right? Uh, we could put up right now the movement in the Eastern Conference market, okay? Yeah. The Brooklyn Nets are now co-favorites in the Eastern Conference market, right? Yeah. At plus 260. They're the second choice, Kev, to win the NBA championship, tied with the Clippers as the second choice. Only the Lakers have shorter odds, right? Does this reflect to you that the book – thinks this is going to happen right because you're kind of in this you're kind of in this period right where as a sports investor you can take two tacks one Mm -hmm. i ain't touching these markets it's going to be too fluid right now i don't want to play in it the other tack you can take is oh i think i know how the chips are going to fall and i want to get ahead of it for some value right Mm -hmm. this nets number i think assumes something kev tell me what you think it assumes and if you're willing to get ahead of any of these numbers because of the player i agree that you expect over the next 10 days i agree with you that there's an assumption in this line which means then don't bet it because if Harden, if the deal actually happens, will it move some more? Yeah, but you pay for that. If you're already paying a price on the assumption, realistically, Dane, right? Like, we saw the Brooklyn odds somewhere above 10 to 1, I know, when this market opened. Yep, so yep, they've yep. been cut in half. What are we doing here? You're not beating the number by that much if this deal is pulled off. They're not going to, I don't think, at least jump the Lakers in terms of being favorites to win the NBA championship. So if if the deal gets done, assess the deal. If you like it, then you bet Brooklyn. It's not like it's going to be a minus number. Hmm. However, if you wanted to make an assumption bet, you go to Philly, in my opinion. 12-1 to to win the East. 30-1 to to win the title. If you believe that James Harden changes the math for the Philadelphia 76ers, right. whether it be as a part of an Embiid, Simmons, Harden, Big 3, or next to one of Joel or Ben, that's the assumption you can make because the book right now isn't juicing the Philly sure. numbers thinking that Harden lands with the Sixers. No, that makes sense. I, I just I'm reminded, and it may be a less dramatic example, Kevin. I acknowledge that, but I remember when there was buzz that like LeBron may go back to Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. May go back. The futures markets for the Cavs went down, but ultimately didn't go down enough, right? So you yeah. still could have got and anticipated that it would have been a losing bet. But when you knew there was buzz that Kawhi may go to the Clippers instead of anywhere else, there was a window of time there, right, where you could have like beat the number on some level. Now, ultimately, I know that's a losing bet. I know the way you feel about the Clippers, right? But I feel like we're in that window right now, and a guy like Harden is enough, maybe, to move the needle. I hear you. You could still get it, 
even if this move is consummated, right? But it will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have lost a certain number, and it is already going in that direction. But in right. your opinion, maybe we sit and wait. I do want to bring up, because we're going to be college football from here on out, Kev. We got our guy mid-major Matt joining us, because it is a maction-packed Tuesday and Wednesday. We're also going to have Jerry DePaula on the show later in hour number two. He is a top 25 voter, so we're going to ask him about all the stuff you and I think about for chaos theory. But Let's put up the top 25 real quick, Kev, because, listen, we've got Major Matt. We've got Jerry joining the show. What is your initial – we haven't talked about this yet. What mm-hmm. is your big number one headline takeaway on the way this poll looks this week after last week's action? Last night on Endgame Live, I got to run this by Joe Lisi as well. I think the big conversation we need to all start having is, does Ohio State actually right now, as of today, belong in the top four? With only three games, no impressive victories, I'm not sure the answer is yes. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, right? The idea of uh, perception, reputation, and how much do we weight that coming in versus what we're seeing on the field when some of these other group of five teams are dominating, or even other teams just look good. How much do we give people credit for what they have yet to have done? Very interesting question. When we come back, we'll ask mid-major Matt that and so much more. It is time, time for some time for some action here on the early line as we give you the edge on sports. We're coming right back after the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge. Dane and Kevin, as usual, we welcome in our radio affiliates from all over the country, all over the globe. Thanks for getting the edge with us. We truly appreciate you waking up early with us. We also appreciate our guy, mid-major Matt, waking up early with us. He is a friend of the show. Uh, How you doing, Matt? Good. Uh, looking forward to some action tonight, although we did have our first uh, unfortunate game casualty. Uh, and it was a good one, Miami, Ohio, and Ohio. They uh, Unfortunately, I think it was Ohio that had some COVID issues. So, therefore, um, yeah, you know, we're going to only have two games tonight. So, I did want to ask you that in some of the, like, mechanics and logistics of it. I remember the first time we had you on. The first question I asked you was about how this conference stacks up in protocols to other mm-hmm. ones, right? 10 days off, 21 days off canceling games, postponing games. So do we know what the Mac is going to do? Is that game going to be made up? Only going to be made up if there's championship implications? Is it postponed to December? Or do we not know yet, Matt? No, I don't think we know yet. I do think it's probably going to be canceled unless there is some sort of implications to this game. And, of course, it is a rivalry, although every game in the Mac seems like a rivalry. So we'll see what happens. But as of now, I think they're just going to cancel it and move on. All right, fair enough. Uh, i got to ask you. Sorry, sorry, Kev. I got to ask you, the team that I'm big on now in the MAC is Buffalo, right? Um, I was on them last week. They're winning. They're covering numbers. But now this is a huge number we see against Bowling Green tonight. 30 and a half? It does look like the best team in the conference. I was impressed by both of their running backs last time I saw them, Matt. Are they good enough to cover a 30 and a half point number? 
Yeah, Patterson and Marks are an incredible duo when it comes yeah. to running backs. And, and, I mean, Patterson does all the hard work, but Marks looked really good last week. And, and they, they, you know, they make it work between the two of them. I mean, this is a rather big number. Buffalo won 49-7 last year. They are 19-10 and 10 against the spread the last three seasons, 15-8 and eight as a favorite over that span. I mean, when Kyle Vantrese is throwing it to last week, 353 yards and four touchdowns passing, I mean, that's the key. You know, he talked about it in the first season. Uh, game that he was their punter last year and he is the quarterback now and he has been amazing last week he was nine of nine in the second half Patterson last year had 298 rushing yards and six touchdowns against Bowling Green in that Goodness game that they played. Wow. yeah exactly and Bowling Green hasn't shown very much uh they're five and 18 against the spread as, a, as an underdog the last three seasons two and eight as a home underdog Matt McDonald their quarterback 14 of 50 so far this season I think Buffalo could certainly uh cover this number if they really want to that's the key but in this conference you know the big time numbers are worthy of it because Bowling Green literally mm. might be the worst team in the country Wow, man, I really can't wait for Bowling Green to play the Zips. Uh, let me stick on this game for a second because I see a total right now at 57.5 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Bowling Green could very easily score 60 points. Kent State scored 62 last week. Bowling Green also could get shut out. So all of a sudden, you know, a 45 nothing final, and I'm sat there with a losing ticket on a possible over bet. What am I supposed to do with this total? I hate this Bowling Green team forever after they only scored three against Toledo. And then last week, they're like, no, we like garbage time points. Where was that week one, Bowling Green? What do you think about this over-under here, Matt? Uh, we're not going to talk about that game last week because um, yeah. I had under 17 and a half team total points for Bowling Green and Kent State went oh, flash fast no. and scored for no reason. And then, of course, Bowling Green scored and I lost that team total. So uh, I mean, me and Bowling Green are fighting. Um, but I mean, Same. I would lean to the over. But there's no reason for Buffalo to score 60 tonight, I don't think. And plus, they've got Kent State coming up, which would be a big game. I'd be worried about garbage time points. And Bowling Green's offense is so non-competent that I don't think they could contribute very much. So really, you're just asking Buffalo, why not go with the Buffalo team total, which is around 44.5, and and that way you only need one half of the equation and not the other one. Hey, Matt, I got to tell you, you're moving numbers, bro. Literally, in the last minute, this spread has moved from 30 and a half to 31 and a half. So you saying you think they could cover the big number. Someone out there is listening and getting to the window with what mid-major Matt is saying. So I got to ask you, it looks like huge numbers in tonight's action. But in tomorrow's action, looks like we have slightly more competitive games. I see a short spread of only one and a half when two Michigan schools get going tomorrow. Western Michigan, Central Michigan. It's also under a touchdown tomorrow. Eastern Michigan against Toledo. Tell me about tomorrow's match and if any of these shorter spreads. I know it's hard to sometimes bet 30, 31 and a half, but both of those lines are under a touchdown. You got any leans on those games tomorrow? I like Eastern Michigan tomorrow. I also like Eastern Michigan somewhat early because I think Toledo's going to be hung over a little bit. When you lose the way you did last week at Western Michigan, that's going yeah. to stay with you. And mm. we've seen Eastern Michigan, I think last week in the show, I called them a pest, and that's basically what Eastern Michigan is. They're a pest. They're not the best team in the world, mm. but they managed mm -hmm. to stick around. They covered that spread against Ball State. They covered the spread against Kent State. They're 11-5, and five, their last 16 as an underdog. Um, Eastern Michigan's quarterback, Preston Hutchison, is pretty good. I, I think 
think that he's he showed some mobility last week. He's got some decent wide receivers. They just have to figure out the run game. Their defense also isn't the greatest, but their offense manages to come back. They're like, you know, they're like that uh, that great underdog that you want to have because they're always mm. live. And Toledo, look on the road, they're two and ten against the spread. Their last twelve, um, wow. their only win was against Bowling Green. And look, Toledo is the better team, but I think Eastern Michigan's pest like, and I think that they can cover. And if you want to do a little sprinkle on the money line, you could consider a little sprinkle on that money line. Uh, Eastern Michigan's good enough to win this game, but they're certainly good enough to be a pest. And in that other game, Western Michigan and Central Michigan, Western Michigan has won five of the last six in this series. I mean, Western Michigan's got to be feeling good after the way they won that game against Toledo. They're going to get back some defensive help. It looks like sophomore defensive end Andre Carter is going to be back in the lineup. Um, he was one of the guys back in game one who was, a, who was a disruptor up front. And then you look at Central Michigan, they've got two solid wins. The Richardson kid has been good at quarterback, but their defense has carried them. They, they're holding teams in the MAC to under 300 yards per game, and they're pretty good against the run, too. That should be a really good game. I'll be interested to see where the line move goes, and if by some chance maybe Western Michigan's the favorite by the time we kick off in this one. That is really interesting. A couple of 2-0 teams. I actually wanted to ask you about the other Wednesday game with Northern Illinois. Now, I don't know if my judgment is clouded because I had plus 12 live on Northern Illinois. I mean, they lost by 30, but I promise anybody who watched that game, we got job by the refs. Um, they didn't <laughs> review a fumble that I've never seen. Matt, let me just ask you this. I, I have another follow-up. But have, is this a thing with the Mac? There was a fumble that was very clearly not a fumble, and they just didn't review it. Like, is that a thing that I need to worry about? I'm already getting jobbed by Pac-12 uh, refs. Is Are Mac refs another issue here? Well, I mean, we did measure that fourth down in the Toledo game with a broken stick, so that uh, also okay. kind of helped. We're not yeah. going to get the best officials in the Mac, so that's just kind of what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, and I should know that. Deal with it, Kev. I'm still annoyed about it. Like, the thing about the Mac, and I I guess I just have to appreciate it. I think I've made, like, two Mac bets, and both of them have pissed me off more than anything I've done in the NFL all year long. It's just like, good for you, Mac. But what do you think about Ball State here laying 14? Because, I mean, and now it's 14 and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Ball, Ball State, can we play a complete game, maybe? Choked it away against Miami of Ohio. Struggled out of the gate last week. Ultimately win the game by a touchdown. They, are, they, to me, from what I've seen, feel like they could cover this number. But they haven't played a complete game. What do you expect in this matchup? Well, I do. I mean, I I was on your show a couple weeks ago. I said Ball State was going to winner be the winner in the MAC, and I, I I like them offensively. You look at their offense; it's pretty good. You know, they score thirty eight on Eastern Michigan, they score thirty one on Miami, but they're terrible in one possession games. The thing is, this one's not going to be a one possession game because Northern Illinois is terrible. Remember, we we talked about them. They've got like sixty freshmen, uh, redshirt freshmen, and transfers, so they've got all these new kids, and their defense is just not very good. The offense isn't moving. Ross Bowers has been. Disappointing at quarterback, and to me, once again, this is what I've kind of figured out and t- altered more in my handicapping. Is let's take the other team out of it. Look at Ball State's team total here, and then and that way, all you need is Ball State to score. You don't need Northern Illinois to score. You don't need them to keep up. They could do whatever they want. But Ball State's offense is good enough to move up and down the field in this game. So mm-hmm. I-, I believe it's around thirty-seven and a half or so. Maybe you go and you look at the Ball State side and take everything else out of it. 
I like that. All right. We only got about a minute left here, Matt. I got to ask you, whether it's today or tomorrow, what's like kind of your what's your best lean here in the Mac so far this week? What do you like best if I'm going to make one bet in the Mac and avoid the fate of Kevin Walsh, my glorious co-host here? I'm going to listen oh, to you. Gosh. What's the one bet I need to make over the next 48 hours in the Mac? I think Eastern Michigan, as long as it's around six. I mean, I think Eastern Michigan has the chance to win this game against Toledo. I think, you know, you could do. You could also go first quarter or first half, hope the hangover uh, continues for the Rockets after that loss and basically just ride the wave. Eastern Michigan's a good team to have uh, as an underdog. As we said, 11-5 and against the spread as an underdog the last three seasons. So Eastern Michigan's probably my best bet. First first quarter, first half game, I, I think they could potentially win this game outright. Nice, and we could even sprinkle on the money line. We appreciate you, Matt, as always, coming in in this spot as we move along. The games are just going to get more and more high leverage and intense, and we, we do hope we get through the max season and those games either get made up or hopefully the uh, issue doesn't continue to grow. Thanks for spending a little bit of time as usual with us. We truly appreciate it. And next time, you can talk to only me. It's okay. <laughs> and yeah, if James, if James Harden's watching, go to Brooklyn. I don't want you in Philly. Don't, don't, don't Woo! go to Philly. <laughs> Matt, it's going to be That's fun. Ben, Jimmy Harden, we're going to have fun, Matt. I can't wait. All no. more that no. we can debrief probably by next Tuesday. There'll be some stuff to talk about on that side. I also am going to want to start asking you about college basketball in these mid-major conferences as well. All that on the horizon. Thanks for uh, hanging with us for a little bit today, though, Matt, as always. Thanks for having me, fellas. All right. Well, when we come back, Kev, we continue the college football. A new guest to our show, Jerry DePaula, will go on. He's got to vote. So we got to understand what is his process? What is he like? What does he consider when listing those top 25 teams? And if chaos is possible, we'll do all that with Jerry DePaula right here on the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kev, and on Tuesdays, there's so much stuff in the college football world to look at. We bring in mid-major Matt to talk about the matching. But as you guys know, we've been looking at the top 25, trying to figure out teams and their path to the playoffs. And so we are lucky for the first time to welcome Jerry DePaula in. You can see him on Trib Live, um, all of his work. He is also a voter in the top 25 poll, and we welcome in Jerry in to the early line right now. Jerry, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So I got to ask you a question, just like basic, before we get into the nuts and bolts and the matchups and, and, you know, the box scores and all that. This season, Jerry, is so different, right, on so many levels. You know, you have conferences literally staggering their starts. You have conferences playing dramatically different numbers of games, right? You have different protocols and policies. You are in a position where you have to take all of that 
and in some way Norman, right? In an absolute way. How do you how do you do that, Jerry? How do you compare, say, this group of five team that like a BYU that has nine games versus a team in the SEC that may only have four? Like, t- take me into your process. How do you normalize what's not a normal season? Well, I think you watch the games and you use the eye test a lot. And if you see a team like Wisconsin, for instance, they've only played two games, okay, because they've had Paul Christ, you know, the former pit coach, actually had had the COVID for a while. He's okay now. Uh, but they clashed Michigan the other night, but they also had a couple games canceled. They look like one of the best one of the best ten teams in the country just by watching them play and watching their defense and watch the way their quarterback operates and the way Paul calls his, his offensive play calling. Um, but they've only won twice, but I still put them in my top 10 uh, just because they look like a team that is going to win most of their games, maybe all of their games, depending on how, how things shake out. Uh, now, the teams that are that have played all their entire, entire program, entire schedule, that's difficult to, to figure out because a lot of them are playing some weak links, uh, there's no, and, and, but there's no non-conference, very few non-conference games this year. You're not playing the uh, the the, the, the uh, uh, teams like Gardner Webb that you find right. a lot of these you know, the beef up their schedules. So you really have to watch the games, and I find that's the best way to do it. I, I cover Pitt on Saturdays. When I get back from that game and I write my stories, I immediately go to the to the TV. Uh, to watch the uh, late night games, which aren't that many anymore, because the Pac-12 hasn't been playing for most of the season, so it's really tough. You got to do a lot of reading too. I, I like to read uh, before I I do my ballot at night, Saturday night, and before I submit it before eleven o'clock Sunday morning. I always go to the internet and read as much as I can about the games that happened and what people are saying about them. So, Jerry, I know I know you cover Pitt. You follow the ACC closely. Uh, this year, a bit of a shakeup for that conference, not just in the fact that they got rid of the divisions, but Notre Dame enters the fray, the conference as well. You saw that team up close and personal play the Pitt Panthers. One of the better performances for Notre Dame on the year when in that game 45-3. Pitt's a, a pesky group, uh, and Notre Dame looked really, really good. When you're trying to figure out who the number one team in the country is right now, I know you've got Bama 1 and Notre Dame 2. How tight... Was that for you when you take a look at what the Irish have done through eight games? Well, I wouldn't say it was tight, it was tight but I because Bama is so good with all their skill skill guys, and then they play a difficult schedule, obviously. Uh, but Notre Dame really looks good. I mean, that offensive line, Pat Narduzzi, the pit coach, said it you know before the game. They have coming into that pit game, which was about a month ago. Was uh, they had 129 starts along their offensive line. Those guys in the offensive line, three or four of them, maybe all of them, are going to get drafted and play in the NFL. Uh, and that, that's what makes Notre Dame special. You know, plus you know Ian Book, their quarterback, is playing so much better than he was playing two years ago. Pitt almost defeated Notre Dame two years ago out in South Bend. Uh, you know, it was, it was a close, low-scoring game. Ian Book was a quarterback, but they didn't come close this year, 45 to three. Uh, and Pitt is supposedly had had was supposed to have one of their best teams ever under Pat Narduzzi. It hasn't turned out that way. Hmm. Uh, uh, but I, I think Notre Dame with with Ian Book and that offensive line and a very balanced offense and a really good defense. I mean, some of those guys on defense. One guy from Pittsburgh, Kyle Heinish or uh, Heinish from, from uh, Central Catholic High School, really plays plays well in a defensive line. They're going to be tough to beat. I really think it's going to be uh, Notre Dame and Alabama for the. Uh, for the championship on January, whatever it is. That is music to my guy, Kevin Walsh's ears to think of the Irish 
are in fact uh, legit, and obviously their win. Well, over I would don't bet. That's what they tell me, right? So, so Jerry, I got to ask you, and and truth be told, I'm a guy who loves chaos. Okay, I wanted like the St. Louis Cardinals to have to play a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers to get into the playoffs in Major League Baseball. <laughs> you know, like I want to see this not only for the you know to give the little guy a chance, but to also potentially force playoff expansion, right? And in this year where they've uh, change the baseball format. They've changed the NBA playoff format. They're talking about changing the NFL playoff format, right? I wonder if this right. is the year to tinker in college football. And we have two case studies with Cincinnati and BYU. These are teams like the Boise States and the Central Floridas of days gone by where they may get to be undefeated, right? And still be on the outside looking in. I want to ask you a two-point question. One, is there anything these teams can do? You say the eye test. These teams are beating guys by 20, 30 points. Is there anything they can do to hop, say, a Texas A&M who may not even get a chance to play in their conference championship game? And do you believe that this could be a proof point to justify expansion down the road? Well, I think expansion is going to come eventually, just because there's a lot of money to be made uh, when they right. when they go to eight teams. Uh, eventually, uh, the pre- presidents may not want it right now. Once they see the, the black and white and the dollar signs laid out for them, I think it might happen sure. in our in our time. But you're talking about Texas A and M. They're 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 just five or six. You know, they're they're probably not even either. You know, so yeah. If you Emma and you got. Uh, well, I'm hoping Florida can lose, you know, but AM may not have that chance to lose. But is there anything the Bearcats and the Cougars can do to get there? No, because if they do play a bowl game, which they will play a bowl game, to play their di- the most difficult game is going to be after uh, the, the, the Final Four is set up. So they really didn't have a chance this year to play a, a representative schedule. Central Florida had, had the same problem a couple years ago, and they played, I think they played Pitt. Uh, twice actually uh, in in those in those seasons and, and yeah. defeated them uh, once. Pitt beat them the second time, uh, but I'm just saying that there is no real game to gauge off of. BYU opened up against Navy, and usually Navy is a pretty good team. But that night, right. that was the first night of the season. Navy wasn't ready to play. The, the coach even said that uh, they weren't ready to play because they hadn't been practicing tackling. Boise State, so, Central Florida, not 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 a. Not, uh... Not uh, strong enough of a test for you on their schedule. Yeah, the, the, there's some good teams in that in that in that AAC, but there just aren't enough good teams to justify putting putting a team like Cincinnati in. Now, Luke Fickle is a very good coach. He's probably going to get a big big job someday uh, off the Cincinnati season, and they're a very good team. But they're six or seven. They're eight. They're 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 not four. You know, and that's just the way it is because the top four are so good, and there's so much distance between four and five, or maybe five, six, and eight. Jerry, I like that you you broke my guy Dane's heart immediately, straight to the point. I like your style. I do yeah, want to ask you, though. Question. No. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was perfect. I do want to ask you, though, Jerry, in your top 25, you do have the Gators right now in front of Texas A&M, despite the fact A&M does have that head-to-head victory. For you, right. is it kind of what have you done for me lately with Florida? How come you were able to put Florida up at five despite that head-to-head loss? Well, I, I like Kyle Trask, the quarterback. I, I think he, he's going to win. He has a good chance to win the Heisman. Trevor Lawrence is, is going to be a number one draft pick, and maybe he's even better than, than Kyle Trask as, as an NFL prospect. But, of course, Lawrence hasn't played for two weeks, but Florida's been putting up some crazy numbers. And that was a close game several – that was in September, I believe, two months ago. 
Uh, and that, that was a that was a lifetime ago. Uh, things could change. You know, I could change my mind this this coming week. Although A and M's not playing this week because they had their their game was already postponed. You know, so it's, it's really tough you know, for these teams that aren't playing that try to justify them moving up. You know, and that's that's the hardest part of doing the, the top twenty five ballot every week is the teams that aren't playing this past week. Half the teams, I counted them up. I think twelve out of the twenty five did not even play. You know, so it's really tough to figure out who's good and who's not. But these teams aren't playing enough games. But right now, I think Florida is probably a little better than AM if they would play tomorrow, which is one of the things I, I try to justify in my head. What if these two teams played? Who would win? I think uh, Florida would beat AMM if they played tomorrow. Yeah, Jerry, I got to like almost lobby for you. These teams aren't playing. BYU and Cincy are playing. Come on, Jerry. But I won't ask that. I want to ask you about another conference here, and that's the Pac-12, right? Because the Pac-12 got a late start. We have Oregon and USC in the top 25. I understand that there's such a gap with these group of five teams, right? Okay, Cincy, Marshall, you know, Coastal Carolina. Fine, I understand that. But what about a undefeated Pac-12 champion, potentially. Does a team like Oregon or USC, do they have the reputation, the cachet, comparatively, if they get through their short seasons, to be true contenders? Would you bump up teams like that in a Power 5 conference if they get through their schedule? They get through undefeated. It's, it's going to be real difficult to keep them out. Uh, although, I, you know, I, in my heart of hearts, I really believe the top four that are there now are better right. than any Pac-12, no matter how many games they win. Uh, I just think that the Pac-12 overall, top to bottom, isn't as strong. And they're, they're canceling they're canceling or slash postponing a lot of games, too. Uh, so it's really tough to tell how good these teams are. USC is undefeated, but they had to you know, really rally at the end of the, each, each of right. those games. They 2-0. So I still would, would be hesitant to put, unless they really start blowing teams out, if USC or Oregon – in Oregon, I watched that game Saturday, Saturday night. They – it was struggled for a while, and then they, then they pulled away. Um, but I really think they start blowing teams out on, on a regular basis, week after week after week. I don't think they're going to make it into the top four. Jerry, I want to ask you, I looked through your top eight. BYU is at nine. You have the U at eight, which I think is fair. They lost to Clemson, and everybody forgot about this team. My question to you is, as we talked about expansion, do you think that you would rank these teams differently if the top eight we're going to be making it into a college football playoff where maybe you have to sit there and kind of labor over the idea that we've seen the U go up against the Clemson. It wasn't pretty. And maybe you would want to give BYU their shot. Well, if I was going to put anybody in the top eight that isn't in top my top eight right now, it would be Wisconsin uh, mm. and not BYU because Wisconsin's mm. only played twice. But I think they're very good. And I think eventually they'll make it into my top eight. They'll probably lose this week after I say this. But I think Paul Chris is a good coach. And I, I like the way he, he tried to build, rebuild the program in Pittsburgh, you know, several years ago. Um, and, and he has things going at Wisconsin year after year after year. He has a very representative team. They run the ball real well. They play great defense. Um, Steeler fans are getting, getting a look at uh, T.J. Watt to play at Wisconsin. Uh, mm. I, I don't think I would put BYU ahead of Wisconsin in my top eight. And you guys want to see BYU in the, in, in the – College football playoff. I think it's a dream. You know, if it goes to maybe 
Fifteen? Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, uh, but, listen, and Jerry, and you be, have control over this, right? You have I'm only one guy out of sixty-two. This. Remember that, though. That's yeah. all right. So, but we appreciate you coming in and giving us your perspective on how you see these things. You can always catch all of Jerry's work at triblive.com. We appreciate you coming in here bright and early in the morning and chopping at us with us. We always love to get behind the curtain with someone like you, Jerry, and we hope that uh, you can make time to come on back and talk to us again. Maybe if Indiana beats Ohio State, we'll see. What happens to the top 25 then? But thanks for stopping by with us this morning, Jerry. It was my pleasure. You go, go BYU. I'll be rooting for him now. <laughs> Remember that when <laughs> you're filling in your ballot on no, Sunday no, night. I can so root for them. There you yeah, go. There you well, go. there you have it, Kevin. He's all about Notre Dame. And he doesn't like my chaos theory. When we come back, Kev, we'll tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of The Early Line. When we come back right after this on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. So to recap, our last two guests, one was completely fine to talk to just me and not to Kevin. The other guest, though, completely <laughs> eviscerates my love for chaos, but is willing to back the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah. That's why we have them back to back, putting the fun and functional sports content on a Tuesday. Kev, we only got a minute left. I want to ask you back in the NBA, though, because people aren't realizing, yo, it's going hot and heavy. The draft is yeah. happening. A question for you. We mentioned briefly that Edwards and Ball were now both minus 110 to be yes. the first overall pick. I want to ask you a two-point question. One, which one do you think it is? And do you think these first three teams now that are lined up are actually the three teams that will be making the pick tomorrow evening? Mm, boy, oh boy. Uh, I'll tell you this. I have positions on Anthony Edwards to not go one in this draft. We beat those numbers when we made those uh, selections, but some information has changed. It's tough to get a read on what the Timberwolves are trying to do. Right? Was all of the LaMelo Ball hype to force hands to trading up for LaMelo Ball? It didn't work, and now they like Anthony Edwards? Or are they just trying to love everybody? It is really tough to read. I think to your second part of the question, I think the Timberwolves' preference is trading out. I expect there to be some movement in this top three. No matter, yeah. it almost seems like the like I don't expect Golden goals. State to make the pick. I don't even think Golden State is not a team that needs another kid, right? Yeah. Golden State needs someone they could put in there right now and mesh with this veteran-laden contender. I, I just don't want, see the Warriors taking a kid. Here's your chaos theory: the Timberwolves, by any means necessary, trade out of one. They go back to three. The Hornets jump the Warriors for James Wiseman. Six mm. to one caches. The Warriors sat there at two. Their guy gone. Figure it out. Who wants LaMelo Ball? Highest bidder. The Bulls come up to two, draft LaMelo Ball. And at three, the Timberwolves stand, go back to three, pick up assets, get the guy they wanted anyway. Warriors go back to four. Onyeka or Tyrese Halliburton go four. Denny Avija, by the way, has some odds on whether he'll go four or not. I think he might. It's not as much of a lock as people think. The NBA draft day, you want chaos? See you at 8 o'clock. 
Well, listen, tomorrow, and by the way, you and Jared Smith will be covering it live on in-game live. But honestly, Kev, that's just the draft. We haven't even talked about James Harden, right? And other guys that could be adding to the chaos. It's going to be a fast-moving two weeks in the NBA, and we'll be here to cover it on the grid. Speaking of which, Ariel Epstein and Jared Smith are up next. The morning after follows us. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.